Our scripture this morning comes from John's Gospel, the sixth chapter. As we come to God's word, will you pray with me? Holy God, lover of humanity, joy of creation, pour out your spirit on us that we may hear your ancient words in a new key. Inspire us to sing your praise through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. After this, Jesus went to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, also called the Sea of Tiberias. A large crowd kept following him because they saw the signs that he was doing for the sick. Jesus went up the mountain and sat down there with his disciples. Now the Passover, the festival of the Jews, was near. When he looked up and saw a large crowd coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread for these people to eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he was going to do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. But what are they among so many people? Jesus said, Make the people sit down. Now there was a great deal of grass in the place, so they sat down, about 5,000 in all. Then Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. When they were satisfied, he told his disciples, gather up the fragments left over, so that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up, and from the fragments of the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten, they filled twelve baskets. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they began to say, This is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. The word of the Lord. It's August, which is a bummer if you're only thinking about how many days until school starts. It's 21, by the way. But here in worship, August means that we are kicking off our new sermon series featuring your favorite hymns. For the beauty of the earth, beat out... Come thou fount of every blessing, fair and square. Which means that there was no other option than having me preach today. For you see, Come Thou Fount is Jarrett's all-time favorite hymn. (laughs) He was so crushed that it lost that I feared that if he stood in this pulpit today, he would say something disparaging about For the Beauty of the Earth, and that wouldn't go well. I feared this even though this gorgeous hymn was featured in our own wedding 
The choir at First Presbyterian Church Asheville sang John Rutter's stunning setting of this hymn as an anthem. That was almost 20 years ago now, but I love it still. The litany of gratitude for the beauty of creation, for the joy of connection with our bodies and with one another, the gift that is God's love. It is a great hymn. But you see, Jarrett would only be focused on what was not happening today, that upbeat, singable Nettleton tune, that great line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Yeah, all that is not happening, and he is grumpy about it. <laughs> so I suppose on telling you all of this, which, by the way, I have permission to do, I'm telling you because it's an innocuous illustration of something that is worth naming out loud in this pulpit. And that is that a scarcity mindset, which sees only what is lacking, that gets in the way of gratitude. Which has got to be why all four Gospels include the story that we read today. The feeding of the 5,000 is the lectionary text for this first Sunday in August. Matthew's version of the story was picked for today. It's Matthew's year. But I wanted to use John because of, th because of something that the disciples ask in his version of the story. It's something that only shows up in John's telling, and yet it seems to me is something that constantly shows up as a question in our own minds. You heard the story. A huge crowd gathers to see Jesus, to hear him teach, to receive his healing, or perhaps just to suss out what this sus guy is getting all the attention for. And it's getting toward dinner, and they had not ordered ahead at Med Deli. Catering is still available in case you want to order at Med Deli. The people are hungry, and all the disciples find is a boy with five loaves and two fish. That's what they have. And in John's gospel, the disciples ask, what are they among so many people? Five barley loaves and a couple of carp. What are they among 5,000? The disciples see what is missing. They see the scarcity. They see their own inadequacy. They see the overwhelming need around them. They don't see the gifts, the grain grown, harvested, kneaded into bread, gills fresh out of Galilee's sea, grilled up to perfection, a boy willing to share his lunch, Jesus there, fully present, fully himself. 
So the question that they ask is, the common English Bible translates it, is, but what good is that for a crowd like this? What good is that? Have you ever wondered, wondered for yourself, what good are my smarts, my skills, compared to the success all around me? What of my salary, my stuff, when there are always the Joneses? What of my compassion amongst so much pain? What of my ideas amidst such complexity? What good are my efforts, my vote, my contributions up against the inevitability of corruption and the force of history? What good is that? I never noticed it before, but Jesus doesn't give the disciples an answer, nor does he shame them for such questions. He instructs them to sit everybody down. Just stop. Sit. And then Jesus takes what he has before him, and he gives thanks, and he shares it. And it's enough. It's more than enough. The people are satisfied, and there is a perfect amount of leftovers. Let me say that again. Jesus uses what he has, and he gives thanks for it, and it is enough. My colleague Elizabeth Goodrich once spoke of when she was a newlywed. She was setting up her house for the first time. She had been introduced to a book, Use What You Have Decorating. And it taught her to start with what she already had and build from there, rather than breaking her bank account and her spirit by chasing an unattainable idea. A living room could start with a rug or a lamp, or in my case, vinyl records. For Elizabeth, a blank slate was just too overwhelming. She said she didn't have the imagination for that. So this use what you have idea became her bedrock practice. So now when she's thinking of rearranging a room or making a Halloween costume for her kids or having friends over to dinner, she does a quick inventory of what she already has on hand, gives thanks for it, and goes from there. There are connections in this to the appreciative inquiry model that a lot of churches use in their strategic planning. I don't know if you've heard of that, but the appreciative inquiry model encourages organizations, not just churches, but organizations to review their history, take stock of where they are. The idea is that you move forward rooted in the best of what has been, the best of what is. It's the opposite of some ways of planning that start by trying to make a template that works somewhere else fit here, or by starting by only trying to address the deficits in the organization, the problems. There's a great, a great quote that captures this. It says, start where you are, use what you have, do what you can. There's an argument about who said that. Some say it was Teddy Roosevelt. 
others Arthur Ashe. I say they both stole it from Jesus. 5,000 people. A young boy's lunchbox. And our Lord says, this enough. And a feast is served and there's leftovers to be had. Chapel Hill, with all its complex needs and a group of sinners and seekers, our Lord says, I can work with that. And a church comes to life, and who knows what the impact might be. Using what we have keeps us from lamenting what we don't. Using what we have leads us to a life of gratitude. And gratitude is our only response to the grace of God, the grace we know in Christ Jesus. In the spring of 1863, Folliot, I don't know if that's actually how you say his name, Folliot Pierpoint, we'll call him Pierpoint from here on out, sat on a hilltop outside his native town of Bath, overlooking the Avon River. And in that setting, he reflected on God's gifts in creation and in the church, and above all, the gift of Christ's life. And he wrote, For the Beauty of the Earth. He wrote it as a hymn to be sung during the sacrament of the Lord's Supper. The original chorus read, Christ our God, to thee we raise this our sacrifice of praise. It was meant to be seen as a mirror as the host would be lifted during the communion liturgy as a symbol of God's gift to us, a sung sacrifice of praise would be lifted by the people in return. Pierpont was trying to remind us that the, the only thing we can give Christ in return for his great love is our gratitude our gratitude, which is perhaps best expressed in song. For the Beauty of the Earth was originally published in a hymnal called Lyra Eucharistica, a collection of communion hymns compiled by an Anglican priest. Now, of course, the word Eucharist means thanksgiving. We Presbyterians call the Eucharistic prayer the great prayer of thanksgiving. And like Pierpoint's hymn, the prayer is a litany of gratitude for God's gifts to us in creation and in the church and God's gift in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So no, Jarrett, we are not going to sing Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. We're not going to sing that as we come to this table to experience the sacrament that does take our heart and seal it to God's own. Instead, we'll sing what we have, and it will be enough, more than enough. <laughs>